Hello, loyal listeners. Before we get to today's show, looking back at the farce that was New England's defence against the Kansas City Chiefs last night and building up to a massive weekend of live NFL action. I just want you to know that uh, when we recorded this show, we couldn't confirm this deal. But coming from this very weekend, mine and Ollie's home at TalkSport will be bringing exclusive live UK NFL coverage. From 5pm on Sunday evenings, Nat Coombs and Mike Carlson plus studio guests will be taking over TalkSport too to build up to all of the weekend's kickoffs from 6pm. Most weekends they'll have a Jaguars game or they'll be going red zone round the grounds if Jags are at Wembley, which we'll also have live, or if they're in the late kickoff. Then from 9 onwards they'll have Greg Rosenthal on, Sam Clay, all the big names that they usually have on the NFL show, looking at the coverage from the rest of the games and keeping you updated. Then on t- then myself... Ollie Hunter and Greg Brady, you may know him from Fighting Talk or from the Five Live coverage in the past. From 11pm, we'll be going round the grounds till 1am and, and recapping the rest of the night's action. Before on Talk Sport over on the main station, from 1am onwards, the three of us will be bringing, be bringing you Sunday night football this weekend. Dallas Cowboys hosting the New York Giants. Really, really excited for this. Talk Sport 2 and Talk Sport every Sunday for live NFL coverage. Check out my Twitter, Nat's Twitter for all the latest updates and news and please genuinely do join us this weekend the more live streams going off the TalkSport app the more popular it will look the more likely they are to invest more money into this coverage and the more games will bring you so please do tune in this Sunday to TalkSport and TalkSport 2 right let's get on with the show Ollie hit it send in the clowns those daffy, laffy clowns Send in those soulful and doleful Schmoats by the bowlful Clowns Send in the clowns <laughs> They're show and the man sending in the clowns last night was Matt Patricia as the Patriots defense was ripped to pieces by the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll get the reaction of Matthew Sherry and review Thursday night football. Plus we're going to look forward to a near full slate of week one games this Sunday and Monday. This is the Gridiron Show in association with touchdown trips getting you in the game. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Podcast in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the 
game. We'll be talking Thursday night football, previewing all the weekend's games. We're also going to have a bit of fantasy darlings for you from Neil Dutton and uh, Solomon Wilcox, former Bengals safety, who, good friend of ours from the uh, from the Super Bowl over the last couple of years. He's over doing the Sky Sports coverage. I'm going to be sitting down with him later this afternoon. We'll discuss the Thursday night opener and a couple of the Sunday games with him as well. So an absolutely packed show. Ollie Hunter in the studio with me, Will Gavin. Matthew Sherry on the line. And gentlemen, football is back! Woohoo! Sherry, yes! Yeehaw! Wow, that's more that's more positive than I was expecting. But then again, Matthew Sherry, you are a man who has had very little sleep. Like one and a half hours. So. I like that we uh, all I'll stayed up to watch voice. we all stayed up to watch the game. But you just revealed to us, recording this at one o'clock in the afternoon, that you've got up and watched the game again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm, I'm amazed as a Patriots fan that you had the grit, the determination and the stomach to do it. I, I really kind of, and this, this kind of general confidence might come back to bite me on the arse if Simon Clancy's prediction that they're going to start on for talking about hysteria comes true. <laughs> but it's hard to get too upset when ultimately they are still playing for week 14 and not week two like it's just it is what it is they've lost the game but i just wanted to see what went wrong and and be prepared to kind of talk about the performance properly on this podcast so look it finished kansas city chiefs 42 new england patriots 27 uh, the chiefs were down six points at the very start of the fourth quarter, although already driving at that point. 21 unanswered fourth quarter points while the Patriots managed just one first down in that time. I think they were sacked three times during that quarter as well. Uh, it, it was a, an uncharacteristic performance, even though the Patriots have started season slowly in the past, but they have been 4-0 and coming off the back of a Super Bowl win in previous years. It's the biggest I think it's the highest points total against the Patriots in the Belichick era. It's the, highest, it's the highest yardage under Belichick as well that they've conceded. And the fact is, is that, yes, we're going to sit here and we're going to say, yeah, it's just one game, 15 more to come. But we're going to see the state of the rest of the AFC this weekend. But, I mean, my prediction in the show earlier this week was the reason I had the Patriots going to the Super Bowl is I think they get home advantage. If, say, a team like the Steelers only lose two games and the Patriots have three very losable games still on their schedule at least, if they've got to go to Hinesfield, then suddenly it's it's a different game. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and ultimately, these games are, are important when you get to, to, to that level. And it's kind of the risk that the Patriots run with the strategy that I've spoken about, I, I think on the last show as well, about they do treat this early part of the season as an extension of the pre-season. So they massively try new things in the early weeks and then they eventually settle it down later in the season. And ultimately, it's something I think they did less last year because Brady was out for the first four games and they knew that they needed to lead on the defence. But... Last night as well, I think it was an element of that, but also an element of the perfect storm with Edelman's out and then Amendola, his replacement's out, and then Hightower's out, which means you're playing a guy who's been on the roster for four days, uh, basically one of the key spots on your defence. So it was almost perfect storm element as well. But ultimately, they have got a massively tricky next three games, like for all I've just said about Simon and Owen Four. And really... Already, you, you can start to look at it and think that there may be in some problems when it comes to home field down the line because they need to get it sorted out a lot quicker than they might have done in the past if they'd have had. 
the Jets and the Bills on the schedule. We do need to give the Chiefs some love as well, but just sticking with the Patriots first, there are two things. What are the kind of more underwritten points of last night? And the reason that I think that the Patriots have more to worry about than maybe just if it was a tight game and they conceded a couple of late touchdowns, but... The, the way in which they did seem to give up the game late was an issue. But the fact is, is that Kansas City tried to present you with the opportunities. Kareem Hunt fumbling the ball on his very first carry in the NFL. The number of just daft, stupid penalties the Chiefs gave up over the course of the game while the Patriots generally stayed pretty... Uh, pr- uh, before the fourth quarter were pretty disciplined. Um, there was one moment from Brady, the 50-yard bomb to Brandon Cooks, which kind of caught me unawares, and I wasn't expecting at all. But the, the, the big thing, do we know anything more on the defensive side of the ball about the to Dante Hightower? Yeah, I think it's just a, a little nice spray. He, he wanted to come back into the game, but obviously, what is the point in bringing him back in in week one? Like, Even if he comes back in and they win the game, like, what is the point ultimately long-term? He's had... Knee issues basically every year of his career. So I don't think there's anything serious. I don't think it's torn ACL territory. He was on the sideline the whole time afterwards. He was on the stationary bike. He at one point was jogging and trying to get back into the game, apparently. So I think they're all fine on that front. And had that not been the case, but it, it also illustrates how tenuous the situation is with that linebacker corpse because he is literally, along with Brady, the guy that they can't afford to lose. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact is, the front seven had some issues all day, and we talked about how good that run-stuffing line was last season. It was excellent. It didn't live up to that last night. But in particular, the Kareem Hunt touchdown, the one where he caught the ball over the middle, and the two guys in cover on him when he got the mismatch were Carl Van Noy and Cassius Marsh. And you just think that... Uh, Dante Hightower, I mean, he's not like quite up there with a Luke Keekley, maybe, or a Thomas Davis in terms of creakers, but it's a part of his game, which certainly isn't a weakness. There's certain plays we just see he's not there, and the lack of organisation and the missed and blown coverages. There, there were just a few issues in there that really kind of concern me with that front seven, and, and that's going to be the big issue that New England need to fix quick. Yeah, but ultimately, it's exactly the same front seven that won the Super Bowl with, Baron Nivich and Chris Long, who really went contras and Dietrich Wise, the, the rookie, was one of their best players last night on defence, had a really good game, very promising as a pass rusher and Lawrence Guy is a massive upgrade on what they've had as the extra interior defensive lineman as well. So for me, the front seven has only got better from last season. I, I think one element that people aren't speaking enough about is just how diverse that Kansas City offence was last night, the way they mixed West Coast and read option elements and and I mean the shovel passes to Kelsey weren't necessarily working but ultimately it's given the defence something else to think about and I think if they play Kansas City in week 10 when they've got nine weeks of film on what this Kansas City offence is going to look like and for me it looked different new wrinkles to what I've seen in previous years and, and I think on that very it's a bit point, of a different story on, on that very point is sometimes with the Chiefs particularly in prime time what we tend to see is they have this really great scoped out game plan for say the first 20 30 offensive plays and then they fall off a cliff a little bit but yeah. actually last night they kept it throughout the game and Kareem Hunt I mean the, uh, Ollie was just absolutely loving the Chiefs last night but in particular Kareem Hunt to come into the game he's only fumbled I think once in his entire time at college he comes in and fumbles that first snap and then he goes on and becomes the first player to have both 75 yards in the air and on the ground in their debut only the third player ever to have over, over 180 yards and three touchdowns on their debut the most yardage ever in an NFL debut an unbelievable performance from that young man 
Yeah, superb, and 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 the real excitement. I mean, to me, and and this is even with a Patriots hat on, the absolute negative of the game is Eric Berry's injury, which yeah. looks like a torn Achilles. Because there, there are, I mean, I, I kind of in the group last night when we were talking about, it, I was saying, well, I don't, I still don't hugely believe in the Chiefs, but. Ultimately, if I look at the, the the roster and with Eric Berry, I do believe in them as a as a potential contender, and I believe in them because of Andy Reid, who is one of the few coaches in the NFL who can go up against Belichick and do what he's done last night, do what he did in Kansas City two years ago, and there is a lot to be said for that. So I think for me that is the big takeaway from the night in that the Chiefs have this team that that could be exciting if Alex Smith plays like he did last night, but then. The huge caveat now is they've lost basically their one of their best two defensive well, players, Sherry, which is a real shame. Sherry, you mentioned Alex Smith, and it's I, it seems strange that we've gone this far into looking at that game, any game, uh, and not talked about how good the winning quarterback was. I thought he and he hates the term himself, but he managed the game perfectly. He used his weapons, all of the weapons available available to him around him. Um, eight, eight different people eight caught different passes receivers. when Tyreek Hill Smith went out right. with a little I think it was a bit of cramp he he brought in Conley um, Wilson uh, the usage of the three different tight ends okay Travis Kelsey had, as that sort of shovel pass play which they milked um, th- they milked the Patriots through that and the Patriots didn't really have any answer to that I but that was all down to uh, not only um, the the play calling by Reed and uh, the off- the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, but I thought Alex Smith was just really really good to watch. As much as good as uh, the as uh, Kareem Hunt and Tyler were as good to watch, so was Alex Smith for me. Yeah, I mean the only the only thing I would say is, and, and I do agree, he played great, and and I, I feel like it's harsh on a guy like Alex Smith when he got that year kind of picking it in a way you wouldn't if that was wouldn't picking it you would say that's Brady being Brady there is an element of, of some of the defensive breakdowns were a complete farce from the Patriots and that's what was so shocking about the night for all what I'm saying I, I believe is true in terms of the way that the experiment in these early weeks the breakdowns were a complete joke and ridiculous I mean you've got guys streaking down the field wide open mm. so if he's missing them passes then there's a problem but Ultimately, I've seen quarterbacks miss those passes, so he didn't, and he also made a lot of players that weren't like that and were players he made himself. So, Matt, yeah, yeah, it was a great performance. Collings, Collingsworth and Michaels said something interesting to me that I wanted to bring up with you two, um, that when you when the Patriots had some defensive guys go out, Matt Patricia couldn't had a limited playbook of, of, of uh, plays to respond to the Patriots. Chiefs. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Respond to the Chiefs because they they didn't quite have the personnel. They didn't quite have the the wherewithal to stop what was being thrown at them by the Chiefs. I, I think uh, I, I mean, think Sherry's I right though. I think I, I think well. I think it's something that will that's something that will iron out over the seasons. Of course, the only other quarterback to ever throw for four plus touchdowns, over three hundred yards, and no interceptions uh, against the Patriots was Drew Brees. Uh, you've only got to go and face them next in New Orleans. Uh, I, I, th- I think I think you'll beat them because their defense isn't improved enough. But it's a tougher test than it once looked. And then the Texans and the Panthers doesn't get any easier for the Patriots. So after last year, I think they had the easiest schedule of anyone in the NFL. 
uh, it's a tougher year for them this year. That's why that home field advantage is so key. Right, let's move on and talk could about I, the I weekend. Come last, on, then. Come on, up. hurry up, because we're going to spend like five minutes on this, and we've done like 15. Everything I've said, the one absolute concern I do have is the way they crumbled in the fourth quarter. I remember when Belichick talked about the Kansas City game two years ago and how they kept fighting and how that showed him what he had in the team. It was the absolute opposite of that last night. And Brady quite cuttingly mentioned attitude of the players in afterwards. So I, I think there might be some little problems bubbling beneath the surface, but then I also think Belichick might secretly love it because Nadia North gone and he's immediately got something to say. Look, you guys aren't all that in the way the people are saying you're and he loves an opportunity for that. And uh, Sherry, I apologise for claiming that you're... The Patriots will go undefeated prediction wasn't bold enough because it only lasted for all of 60 minutes of football. So, uh, Absolutely. <laughs> I'd like to point out also that I got the prediction of the game correct. Right. Do we want to, for, <laughs> for, for this weekend's games, do we want to, how do you want to pick these apart? Do we want to just go through them chronologically? Do we want to pick out our favourites and just gloss over the other ones? How do you fancy let's just, this? Let's just go through them chronologically and alphabetically. Oh, just... I'm not sure I want to go chronologically and alphabetically because because <laughs> it, that throws us up some terrible matches early on. But yeah, uh, well, we just said not let, right. Let's just pick through. out. Let's. I'm going to start out with a couple of the highlights from the nine o'clock kickoffs, and I'm going to start off with the game that Sky should be showing at six o'clock yep. on Sunday night, but instead they're showing Brown Steelers, uh, despite the fact the number one pick is out. It is the Raiders against the Tennessee Titans. Yep. It's our first chance to see this much-hyped Tennessee team, 9-7 and seven last year, a lot of them to win the AFC South this season. Uh, they've improved on the defensive side of the ball. They've improved at defensive back, which they desperately needed to do. But the Raiders, we got to forget, that we can't forget that we, a lot of these people were picking them for an AFC title game at least until Derek Carr went down last season. And so this is a, a clash pardon the pun, of two Titans very early in the season, both of whom could be decent playoff teams this year. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting one. I, I think an interesting one for all facets because they're both two teams. But by the way, the si- can we just point out that three years ago on this podcast, this would be the last game we would have talked yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. If anyone doesn't believe in the draft system and the, the equality in the NFL and everything else, think about how terrible this game was in like 2013. What, what interests me the most is the similarity between the two teams. Like, basically, Tennessee and what Oakland were a year ago in the team that everybody looks at and thinks they could make that step, but it's Tennessee in the same way they did Oakland. And Oakland and that team now should be a year further on and, uh, and experienced. But then the big thing that ties them together for me, and I mentioned this on the uh, on the Matt Coombs pod show uh, earlier in the week, is the fact that, for me, still there's massive question marks over both head coaches that ultimately I need to see them not be the guys that I think they are for me to really believe in the team. I'm really concerned defensively for the Oakland Raiders because I think I like what Tennessee have done in the offseason. I think actually Tennessee have a, an interesting defence at every level, not necessarily one we're going to talk about in those top three, top five kind of terms, but one that can compete with almost any offence in the AFC. But for Oakland, there's such a huge focus on Khalil Mack, but I don't really like Bruce Irvin off the other side. I'm not sure about the rest of their offensive line. I'm not sure whether, you know, old man Reggie Nelson is going to keep doing it. Sean Smith had a tough first season over from Casey. And their linebacking core is one of the weakest in the NFL. And that's where this game could be decided for me, is if the Titans can break to the second level in their run game with 
both with Mariota on his feet, but also with Henry, with DeMarco Murray, then they could run all over the Raiders tomorrow. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you there, because this Oakland defence isn't really tried and tested yet. Uh, Maybe we'll be saying something different in two two or three weeks' time. Um, look at the two quarterbacks as well Marcus Mariota okay he hasn't finished a, a, a season playing every single game yet but he's had that extra time off to recuperate Derek Carr on the other hand uh, we know what he can do but he's coming off of a serious knee injury and again we don't know how he's going to respond so there are a load of question marks but that's why and the, the talent that, that's on both rosters that's why it should be the game that Sky are, are, are picking, and it's a game that I will be keeping an eye on, a real close eye on, on Red Zone. I can't wait for this one. Just a reminder, you need to get involved at gridiron-magazine.com and getting your picks in for our Pick'em game for this season because you can win prizes with our friends at Football America UK. And, uh, yeah, we, we get on there and we'll be giving our picks every week, so you'll be able to see. It produces a beautiful little Twitter graphic for you. You'll be able to see what the... T- picks are even if you change your picks up until kind of you can do it about half an hour before game time you can recreate a new graphic and put that up on your social media as well so you can go and already see what me what sherry what ollie have picked for this weekend and go and do it yourself with that in mind i'm taking tennessee for sunday what do we fancy guys yeah tennessee for me as well i think that's who i picked but that's certainly as we talk now who i fancy i can't remember who i picked but again tennessee Wow, nobody fancying the the Raiders. The other massive thing on Pigham is, like, I would imagine that 99% of people picked the Patriots last night, so even if you've missed out on being able to pick that game, you've basically lost nothing, except for people like Ollie who absolutely picked Kansas City and deserves credit for it. I did pick Kansas City, but when I saw a a, a gridiron tweet last night to change your pick at uh, one sixteen. I took a screenshot and I couldn't change my pick at one seventeen. So, yeah, it does lock about half an hour before game time. So, so that's probably my bad. Uh, right, <laughs> that game. What about that game that, that, that Sky have picked? Then Cleveland uh, Browns welcoming the Pittsburgh Steelers into their building. Tough, tough first game for Deshaun Kaiser, particularly when you consider the fact that they're going to be missing out on uh, Miles Garrett as well. But. Cleveland have added a lot of talent. People are very high on them. They're excited about their other first-round picks. And from a Steelers' perspective, we've not really seen these four offensive weapons, now you add Martavis Bryant to the mix as well, on the field yet. It could take them a little time to click. As, am I grasping at straws to say this might be a more competitive game on, than it is on paper? With Garrett getting you, the sad reality is that I could see this being 21-0 after like halfway through the second quarter and the sky producers just looking at each other thinking what what were we thinking like <laughs> you, you know what I mean like it, it strikes me as that kind of game that is on is on a knife edge where I, I don't know like really want the Browns to keep it close and I'm really disappointed about Garrett but and I, for me the most intriguing factor in the whole game is what Roethlisberger looks like because I read some reports from a training camp basically having ice packs on every part of his body after a practice. Like, I'm not 100% sure how committed he is at this point. Like, the retirement talk and... I, I, I genuinely... He looked awful on the road last season. I, I genuinely think by week five we're going to know if the Steelers have any chance at all because I think it all hinges on Roethlisberger. But... 
Yeah, ultimately, I think the Gareth thing has taken the window of the sales of the game a little bit. Is anyone not taking the Steelers? No. No. A stark sure. silence. There are, there are three more games from the six o'clock that, that, that do particularly intrigue me. Um, I want to talk about Philadelphia Eagles at Washington because a lot of people are picking the Eagles potentially as an NFC East champion and talking about how wide open that team is. I'm really excited to see how they line up because Derek Barnett's a guy we've got very excited about in the front seven and what they're going to be doing with Jim Schwartz. They've gone out and they've looked to improve at every single level. Carson Wentz here too. I mean, intelligent football people who watched what Carson Wentz did last year, even though his overall performance has dropped in the second half, the raw tools and ability, people are still saying that he's the kind of guy that they would take from that perspective over Prescott, over whoever else. And so I, I'm really intrigued to see what the Eagles are. And on the other side of the ball, Washington, without Sean McVay, they've looked dreadful in the preseason offensively. They lost those two wide receivers. There's been no clicking with Terrell Pryor and, and the rest of that group there yet. And uh, I think it could be a tough start for the year at home. Yeah, I, I think I think Philly win this game like without question. And, and that is not me being emphatically positive about Philadelphia as much as I think Washington are in for a year of complete shambles to resemble what goes on off the field. And, and it just looks a mess to me. Q thirty nil Washington win. But <laughs> I I, th- I, th- I think like the the one thing with the Eagles and, and on the show last week I was kinda of talking them up as as challenges in that division, but I am still massively, and I was reminded of this when I was kind of doing a bit of research ahead of the season, I am still incredibly unconvinced by Doug Peterson and think that outside of the Rams, they might have had the worst schemed offence I saw all of last season and that it was basically the nuts and bolts of Andy Reid's offence without the razzmatazz that we saw last night. I, th- I think I think a lot of the talent was an issue there, though, because they've added uh, they've added Alshon Jeffrey, they've added Tory Smith in this off season, and a big part of what they ran last year were were lining up receivers on the same side, doing trips, doing uh, like uh, 11, well, 11 personnel with one tight end, one running back, and and wide receivers split out. But what you had was. You know, Nelson Aguilar running a, a deep route with Doriel Greenbeckham running a dig route to try and take the, the, the safety out of the game and, and pull that apart. Now you've got the same thing, but with Tory Smith and with Alshon Jeffrey, that's as big an upgrade in terms of a couple of players as I think there is in the NFL and has kind of been under-talked about. And I think Tory Smith, people have been quite down on him after his few years out on the West Coast. But I actually think they've really improved there... The lack of running back is still a concern. Yeah, it is a concern. And uh, I, just to emphasize what you were saying, Will, when I went to see them in Philadelphia against Green Bay, they had no passing game. Aguilar was in and out of the side because of they didn't trust him. Jordan Matthews wasn't, wasn't able to, to catch the ball. Doriel Green Beckham was a dumpster fire. Now you're right, they have totally upgraded that, but almost neglected what's going on in the backfield. I don't even... Uh, who is their, their I, prime I, running back? I, I, I don't, don't even know. Blunt, isn't it? I don't, yeah, LeGarrette Blunt. I mean, oh, Ryan, Matthews, Ryan yeah. Matthews is still around, apparently, but Lord knows what he's doing with himself. Um, I do like... If Lane Johnson stays fit, I think they've got good bookend tackles, a decent young interior line. Like, I think there's enough here to, su- to suggest to me why people have got excited about the Eagles. I've just not bought in yet. No, I've not bought him also. I mean, you mentioned the scheme but and the lack of players, but ultimately, they weren't willing to throw the ball downfield either. I mean, they the threw more bubble screens than Chip Kelly would have thrown at Oregon. It was ridiculous <laughs> at one point. Like, you know, it's too much, isn't it? And, and I'm just... I, 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 nothing about Doug Peterson inspires me in the least, including 
the fact that he was given the job in the first place, having never been a real offensive mm. coordinator. I and, mean, and yet we're all taking the Eagles, right? No. Yeah, because Washington are a complete. Ju- I oh, Ollie, Ollie's could... taking Washington. I'm taking are Washington. You? Yeah, yeah. Justify it. I, I, I reckon we could collectively now appeal to any kind of people who've ever played NFL uh, American football at any level and put together a team that could challenge Washington at the moment. <laughs> that's, that's very, very funny. Uh, right, let's let's move on and talk about, uh, rattle through the rest of these six o'clock games. Cardinals at Lions actually is an interesting one to me because Lions have been a team who, despite the fact that we don't think that the talent has always been there, have competed right at the top level. I, I, we were getting into that top ten quarterback conversation yesterday. I couldn't believe Car- Carlson yeah. on the Talk Sport NFL preview show said that Dak Prescott was a top ten quarterback already but Matt Stafford wasn't anywhere near his list now they won a lot of very close games last year which is the sort of thing which can be really negative for a team and you could see them absolutely fall off a cliff and suddenly go 5-11 and 11. but he put that team on his back so many times last year I think he... a number one receiver yeah. as well which is just ignored like uh, so I, I mentioned the comparison with Andy Dalton on the last show and then again I just spent an afternoon doing a little bit of research on different stuff and ultimately, you look at the fact that Andy Dalton is thrown to AJ Green and when he can be bothered to be healthy, Tyler Eifert, compared to literally no number one receiver in Detroit. <laughs> no number one receiver, not an outstanding tight end that can stay fit. Um, the the running back situation is, yeah, is, isn't no great. Game. They had no running game, but people have, again, come into the season really high on Amir Abdullah again, so who knows? Maybe he does show us. I just can't buy that. <laughs> the, he, Amir Abdullah's still living off that first play of, of last year where he duped the whole team and went in for a touchdown. You can't rely on that. Their most reliable person on their offense is Theo Riddick. And if you're in fantasy and you're playing PPR, you love the guy, but... He's not going to win you games. Whereas on the other side of the ball, we've got the first sighting of the season of David Johnson. Hooray! How exciting, man. David Johnson's the kind of player who could make you watch Arizona against the uh, revival of the London Monarchs with yeah. the players at their current age. But the revi- right. I mean, the revival of the London Monarchs at their current age would challenge Washington, according to your previous <laughs> well, statement. So. Not challenge, but I mean, Car- the Cardinals, I think they're being maybe slept on a little bit. We talked about it a little bit in the preview pod, but the, the, they've still got a great backfield. They've still... Uh, the decision to go for paying Chandler Jones over Calais Campbell, we'll see how that plays out over this season. But there is still enough there that if the old men perform they should still be able to compete that is just a concern because Carson Palmer really interesting hearing from Carson Palmer this offseason and hearing from Bruce Arians as well Palmer came into last year throwing like he's always thrown in the offseason and claims that basically his arm was shot by about week three week four this year he's barely thrown in the preseason except in kind of padded practices to get that chemistry going with the receivers he's keeping care of his body in a Tom Brady style a lot better than he has been in previous years it's really interesting to hear that he's trying to do everything to make this season worthwhile and and just maybe just maybe the Cardinals still have something left in them uh, and the other element is, and, and I don't think you can underplay this, is Bruce Arians has been one of maybe top three, top four, top five NFL coach in every year where ultimately we find out in the offseason he had cancer last year. So you've, mm-hmm. you've, you've got to think that had, has an impact. I mean, I, he is a human being that is going to have an impact. So is, isn't it hopefully crazy, we it, get... It's crazy to think that when we sat down with him, 
in February that he was sat there yeah. opposite us. Unreal. With cancer and about to go and have an operation. And he was uh, bubbly and uh, interesting and told some stories. And I was just like, it, it, it was genuinely unreal that he was that, 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 that operating at that level. Then went and got the cancer sorted and then has come back. Do you know what's also incredible? Yeah. We it's love nice the guy. story for them to do well, wouldn't it? Yeah. This year. Of course it would. Uh, Will and I uh, love the guy, Matt. And, uh, we had, we don't play under him. We we don't have a, a an association, that, a professional, like or whatever. I think that team and the Honey Badger when he came over to London uh, touched on it um, in in July that they want to do this for him for this year, almost as though yeah. it's his last chance. And I, you can't you can't rule out that kind of motivation. I I'm very high on the Cardinals this year. I've got them to beat. Uh, Detroit rather convincingly. Right. Yeah, the other element is that Detroit were terrible in week three of the preseason against the Patriots, and we all know how crap they are. So, it's <laughs> still that, isn't it? um, I have. I think I took the the Lions on our pick'em game, but I'm kind of talking myself into the Cardinals a bit. Maybe I will go and change it because you can right up until Sunday afternoon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you say that. Everyone else. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going for the. Uh, I go for the Cardinals. Cardinals. I think there's a really massive game that if there were two serviceable quarterbacks, it would be a great game to watch. Jacksonville. That's a bit harsh on Joe Flacco and Andy Dalton. (laughs) (laughs) Hey-oh! Hey-oh! Mic drop! (laughs) Uh, Jacksonville at Houston. Uh, there are lots of things to look at this game. No, no, there's not. There's one thing to look at. Defenses! Which is the, no, there's only one thing to look at, which is the reopening of the stadium post the hurricane, what it's going to be like in the build-up. Oh, that is going to lift that Houston team. Yeah, if yeah, they, if yeah. they can go deep into the playoffs... I mean, if Houston somehow got together some half-decent quarterback play and somehow won the whole thing this year, it would be one of the greatest additions of America's game ever. It's, yeah. it, it could, it could happen as well. Yeah. I really, I'm really starting to buy into the Texans the more I look at that team. And and ultimately, we've 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 all got to thank the NFL gods for the absolute dumpster fire situation that the thrown Blake balls into in Week One. It literally couldn't be worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it could have been. The no. best defence in the league, massively revved up. J.J. Watt's back for the first time in a year. And, oh, by the way, the whole city has just been in catastrophe and this is kind of a restorative afternoon where the atmosphere will be amazing. Good luck, Blake. What's amazing is that Will and... Uh, will? Uh, Whitney Merciless. I'm Will. Whitney Merciless and uh, and Jadavian Clowney, without J.J. Watt there took a massive step up last season and really looked like guys who could be big, big difference makers and lived up to their picks and everything else. If they can perform like that with JJ Watt also in the lineup, I, I have some doubts about that just purely because what they do with JJ Watt, because he's such a transcendent talent, is essentially let him play wherever he wants along the line. And that can sometimes be to the detriment of other players making plays. But if the three of them can operate at a high level together, they're going to eat Blake Bortles alive. I genuinely think there's a possibility in this game that Blake Bortles has more turnovers than completions. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bold prediction. I like there it. might we, not be that bold. We, we did ask for some bold predictions on Twitter, and we'll get to those at the end of the show. But I think we're all taking the Texans, right? Then RG, yeah. uh, we need to let's rattle through the rest of the six clocks. Ravens, Bengals. There is some some intrigue in this game, but the two teams who both have come into the season with some injury issues, with some players out, with and the two teams who I kind of feel like they both scream kind of eight and eight at me. Oof, I think that's generous. 
Ah, <laughs> but you know what I mean when I mean like those teams that when people talk about they could go five and eleven or they could go ten and six. Those kind of teams that I think they could go three and whatever the equivalent is thirteen. Just bad maths. <laughs> Good maths, mate. Oh, Great maths. Oh, 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 right, mate. <laughs> Adam Barton's Christ, bold. I've had one hour sleep. I'm getting delirious. One hour sleep. <laughs> a- one Adam Barton, big Ravens fan, has tweeted us uh, with his bold prediction that the Ravens will have a top f- five pick in next year's draft. Ouch. Yeah, so these are two teams. It's, it's a divisional game. It's exciting. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to find a way to sell this game as being sexy. No, jo- I mean, I'm, I'm Joe I'm Mixon. Intrigued. AJ Green. There's lots of, there's lots of great reasons CJ to get excited, right? The- Everybody forgets the Bengals are only like a season or so removed from being like nine and up, and they're like they've got talent on that team still. It's just a they just both. I mean, I always back the Ravens, and, and I think I've picked them in this game just because I, I think Harbaugh's a good coach. But they've had so many injuries; it's it's not the most exciting game. Well, that's it. The coaching from Harbaugh he is one of the best. I think it automatically gives him eight wins a year just because he's such a good coach. So that's where the 8-8 eight and eight comes from for them. I don't think the Bengals are as bad as everyone makes out. They won't have perfect, but I still think the defence is, is OK. But they have given perfect a new three-year, $38 million yeah. contract, it's despite the fact he's missing the next X number of games. Uh, a guy who misses games every year through a combination of injury and suspension. Yeah, there better be some. There better be a lot of uh, a lot of tie-ins based on number of games played, etc. Within that contract, uh, no, I'm taking the Ravens. Um, I do do like what they've done on the defensive side of the ball, and offensively they can't be as bad as last year. They've surely got to run the ball more. They've got a decent interior to their line. Uh, I think they go there and win a, a scrappy game, twelve seven or something like that. Yeah, it's gonna be a, it's yeah. gonna be a problem. I'm going Scrapper. Bengals, but yeah, Scrap- Ravens scrappy. for me too. Falcons to bounce back from that Super Bowl disappointment and batter the Bears? 100%. Ed Malian on on, um, kickoff's show yesterday said that uh, the Bears are a sneaky choice for the playoffs, and both Nat and I were like, what? I I think, right, to to give the Bears some due, I do like what they've, like, they've gone out and got a quarterback. They're not going to be. They're going. Well, I've got two quarterbacks that needed addressing in a big way. I do like their defense. I actually quite like the talent they've got there. If they can bring it together, I don't think they're terrible. They're probably John, terrible. John Howard was better than Ezekiel last year. Yeah, like, running running behind a uh, running behind a worse line. Yeah, he was. Yeah, in yeah, a bad yeah, team yeah. that were going to be throwing a lot I, because I, they were behind a lot. I think he only had like a couple of hundred yards left by the end of the year. I don't think he played a game till October the twelfth or something. Yeah, much under-discussed. But I'm still taking the Falcons to throw all over them. Yeah, I, think, I, I honestly think the Falcons... I, 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 initially, I thought there has to be a hangover, but I'm, I'm just starting to believe that maybe there, there won't be and they're going to be really good. But well, I could be wrong. Well, they brought in Steve Sarkeesian, so maybe a hangover is exactly the order of the day. Oh, come uh, on, man. You, you can't take the mick out of alcoholism. <laughs> I'm not taking the mick out of alcoholism. At no point has he said he's an alcoholic. Right, especially after I, some I, of your stuff you accused me I think pre-pod. it was fairly clear he was an alcoholic, Will. And so somebody who dabbles far too much in the dark arts of alcohol himself, you should know. I just, last night I decided I wasn't going to have a drink with the game. And then when the Chiefs went up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, I was like, oh, I might have a beer. <laughs> Celebratory beer. <laughs> So I cracked open an ice cream pale ale. It was delightful. Oh. Um, the the last of the six o'clock kickoffs and the last and very much least. Uh, potentially <laughs> the two teams picking one and two next season. The New York Jets going to face the Buffalo Bills. I'm picking the Bills and that's all I'm saying on the game. I wanted Let's to pick a tie, up. 
but I wasn't allowed to. Because <laughs> so, I think both teams want to lose this game, want to lose every game so that they get the first pick in the draft. I think I mean, I'll go the Bills because they're at home and the Jets are the Jets. I think the Bills are genuinely a better football team. But that's yeah, well, not that saying a huge amount. Tyrell Taylor, is he? Out not, of no, no, no. You're no. You're you're analysing this game, which is not allowed. I'm just asking: Is he out of concussions yet? Who cares? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> I, I caught myself caring. Then I'm really sorry, yeah, guys. You've re- I know it's the first week of football oh. back, but there are some things you're not allowed to care about, ah! particularly when there are six more games to get to, and some of these primetime games are cracking. Get on with it. Let's clear the deck to. <laughs> let- <laughs> <laughs> Let's clear the decks of the two that, that don't necessarily scream out. Somebody bold, ah! bold predicted on Twitter, Adam Foxcroft, that all four NFC West teams will win their opening games. We're going to be talking about the next three NFC West teams now. And let's start off, you wanted to go chronological, so Colts at Rams, the 4-12 and 12 Rams, who I think are going to win in week one. Okay, yeah, I think everybody yeah. does. And, and again, I mean... If we, if the listeners are interested in taking on the Colts in week two, I think we can take down Scott Tulsi quite easily. <laughs> <laughs> so, this, has gone, this has gone from anyone who's played professional football to just anyone who <laughs> listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no Scott Tolzine. I, I, the, the Colts offensive line, the, the thing is the left side of the line with Jack Newhart et al., is looking like it's half decent. It's young. It's it, that's an improving unit. Um, I'm, tr- I'm trying to justify this desperately. Uh, they've got some good weapons, but they've got Scott Tolzine. The defense they've brought in about nine new players, but they're all kind of jags. They're all just a guy kind of players. There'll be improvements on previous years, but it's going to take some time to bring that together. I think the Colts are in as transitional year as possible before you even take the fact that Andrew Luck's going to miss a chunk of it. And the Rams have got... I think the main got... intrigue is, is just how does Jared Goff look, isn't it? Yeah. And I, yeah. Think, and I think there's a potential for him to be okay. Is Aaron Donald going to play? No. No, he's... he's wow. He's no. Him, but... wow. Um, which actually might... This might be the week where that doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 If there's one you can miss... <laughs> I just feel like, if anything, it's just a bit mercy rule, isn't it, for Scott Tolzine? <laughs> he is not a good quarterback. Uh, let's talk uh, Panthers 49ers. Yeah, Willie. Uh, Tell us why you picked the 49ers. I didn't pick the 49ers, <laughs> but on, on the show with Nat earlier this week, you asked me to justify why the 49ers could win. And the 49ers got a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. The corners are probably as bad as any unit in the league, but... Safeties wise, there's some interest there, and the front seven is probably at the best from a talent perspective since all of their front seven retired. But there's going to be a switch to a four-three front, and I don't know how the three first-round picks fit into that from over the last couple of seasons because they're all quite similar players. Uh, so Solomon Thomas is a defensive tackle, not a defensive end. So there's not really a pure edge rusher. I think that the only real reason to justify any chance for the 49ers is that Cam Newton's only thrown two passes so far this year. One of them was a touchdown. They were 22 yards, two completions and a touchdown in preseason. Fine, they were okay passes. But he's come off shoulder surgery and is maybe being rushed back a little bit. They're going to have to rely on those heavy set lines, that running game. They're going to have to look like the 2015 Panthers to give him an opportunity. Again, I think this could be an ugly game that the Panthers win, but in an ugly fashion. I think the Panthers are going to run up the score. I think Cam's going to have a massive game. 
Three touchdowns for Kelvin Benjamin. Three touchdowns for yeah, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, but that's because you predict three touchdowns for Kelvin Benjamin <laughs> every week. <laughs> I do. I love that. Ollie has picked Kelvin Benjamin at least a round, if not two rounds early, <laughs> in every single fantasy league we're in. Listen, I... The number of times that he's like, taken him in the third round, I'm like, Ollie, you could have waited 20 more picks, 24 more picks, and you would have still got I couldn't, him. And you could have got somebody better there. I couldn't, because people vulture me, because I've become so predictable in picking it. So, for yeah, instance... Nobody now, is picking Kelvin Benjamin in the third round just to annoy you. What, 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 what do we think is more is going to be the higher number at the end of the season? How many points the Panthers score in total for the year, or how many pounds Kelvin Benjamin is by the end of the season? <laughs> isn't, he, isn't he like three hundred pound at this point? You're out of order. He's, you're out of order. He's looking lean. He's looking mean. He's, he's not doing either of those things. You're you're out of order there. The, he's going to be he will be a top 10 wide receiver by the end of the year we're all excited to see Christian McCaffrey yes we are and, we are and, and on Monday I'm sitting down with a former Stanford running back uh, I'm going to talk to him about Christian McCaffrey did I tell you the interview we've got coming in on Monday Ollie yeah if you've played I, th- I thought I had if you've played Madden 18 yet and you've uh, you've you know, got in there and played the long shot mode, which is great mm. fun. Devon Wade and Colt Cruz, aka J.R. Lemon, and the Scott Porter, Jason Street. Jason Street, baby. Is coming down oh, to Jesus. sit down with us in the studio. What time is that? Monday so lunchtime, you, you... 12.30. Oh, I'll be there, I'll be there. I'll come in, I'll come in. You mentioned the career mode element. I mean, is it is it wheelchair rugby on Madden now? Or is it or is he an agent? Because <laughs> oh. we all we all know the real Jason Street story here, and it isn't positive, is it? He's a he's a wide receiver, and quite clearly whilst they've taken uh, they've taken Scott Porter's facial likeness, they have made him a lot smaller and a lot leaner than he is in real life. I'm not saying he's a fat guy or anything, but yeah, the but the but face not like the, fa- the face is <laughs> the face is his, the body is Danny Amendola's kind of thing. Um so, are we all taking the Panthers? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Right, let's dig into these four primetime games because we've got maybe ten more minutes and we need to get through them. And they are stunners, including Seahawks-Packers, a game which over the last three years has thrown us up some absolute classics. The chess match that we're going to get to see on Sunday night between Aaron Rodgers and whether or not now that Mike McCarthy's calling the plays again full-time, he is going to be playing in rhythm and playing as well as he did in the second half of last season against the Seahawks defence. They went out and they said, we need a new interior lineman. They went and drafted one. The draftee got injured, so they went, oh, let's just go and draft one of the best talents at the position in the entire NFL, traded for Sheldon Richardson. Uh, That's the side of the ball which really excites me. The reason I'm picking the Seahawks for this game, I'm sorry, Ollie, is because their offence is better than your defence. And I think, actually, for a team, for a game with the Seahawks playing in, where they don't get a lot of shootouts, this could turn into a bit of a shootout, and I fancy the Seahawks in that situation. Oh, it's fair enough. It's fair enough. I, I can think, see I why. Think the, yeah. I think the Seahawks might might do a job on them. Oh, fourteen points plus. Oh, Allah, Colin Kaepernick. I, I, era. I, I, Allah, Kansas City. Allah, yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I don't know why that didn't come out. Well, no, Colin Kaepernick running all over yeah. Green Bay three or four seasons ago in the in a season opener, uh, which broke my heart. Having done it in the playoffs as well. Yeah, yeah all right, mate. All right. <laughs> Look at you still living off all of that. <laughs> That's all you've got, man. I've I've got to go Green sorry, Bay. Sorry, is that Green Bay Packers fan having a go at me for living off recent history rather than, you know, ancient history from all of your pre-NFL titles? Oh, title town. We've won the most NFL titles Wait, I ever. Don't, I don't do that. Just relax. Just yeah, but Green Bay fans just, in general. Look Come at on, you mate. getting getting all upset for no reason. 
That was incredible. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Um, I, I don't, don't really know what's happened. There. I don't know what's happened <laughs> either. Neither do I. I think I'm just really tired as well. He just slumped into time. his chair and got all grouchy. The, the, the delirious tired podcasts are routinely our best and worst. <laughs> um, let's not forget that Rogers and Co. demolished this team 38-10 in December, but there was no Earl Thomas in that team. I just Seattle defense is too good for Green Bay. I think it looks awesome, doesn't it? it that does Seattle look defense. Awesome. God, I'm all in on Seattle again. I don't know because they gave up 44 points to Atlanta in the NFC title game. They gave up 38 points to the Packers last year. This is this is a team who uh, last season had a few real duds on the defensive side of the ball. With everyone back, we're just kind of assuming they're going to be brilliant. Is there just a small chance that that maybe they're not? No. Yeah, right. there is a small chance, but. A bit of Bennett on Bennett action as well. Forgot about that. Yeah. Forgot about Bennett. Yeah. God, it's so exciting. This it, game could be awesome. I'll it's take a great game. Back. It's a great game. Yeah. This oh, is great I'm game. Love, I love that football's back. Uh, well done, Sherry. Is there, who, uh, right, that's so fair. is it me and Sherry, Seahawks, Ollie Packers? Yep, that's yep. The direction it felt like it was going in. Yeah, that's the direction it has fallen. Russell Wilson versus Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you're not even talking about that. Come on. <laughs> we talked. We talked. We talked. Talk <laughs> we talked a lot about those quarterbacks in the preview show. Go back and check out the preseason awards show when we talked about the MVPs, and many of them came from this very game, Sunday Night Football. I, this is. I'm torn on this one because I think this is a great, great Sunday Night opener, except for the fact that it's been a Sunday Night opener about six times in the last ten years. Giants Cowboys is one of those matchups which with the, what the Giants have done on defence over the last two years, with JPP having probably his best season despite only having two and a half fingers on one hand last year, the front is brilliant. They've got three top corners. Like Only teams like Denver really challenge them for the quality of their cornerback play. Uh, if there's somebody that's going to slow the Cowboys down in week one, I feel like it's the Giants. The side of the ball I'm intrigued on seeing. It's like there's one matchup which is two brilliant units. Versus another matchup where you've got Eli Manning potentially with no Odell Beckham going up against a Cowboys defense that lost their entire backfield this offseason. Defense? Did I say offense? I feel like I, I, I mean, the, the main thing for me is that <laughs> obviously, melting. what's going on? I think my brain just melted. Carry on. <laughs> Jesus, I'm just trying to make a point here. Just, just, ga- let's gather it's it back together. Come on, guys. Come on, there's ten minutes left. This is the fourth quarter. We're into it. Come on, we can do this. So, I mean, the Giants completely shut them down last year, and, and I feel like the, the Dallas offense, as much as Zeke is there for this game because of everything that we've had with Zeke, and and kind of the sideshow of that, you, you kind of think they're not going to be as prepared as you'd want them to be. And, and I just think that the, the Giants are primed to shut them down again. The key thing for the Giants offensively is they've added Brandon Marshall, they've added Evan Ingram. What they had last year was... An offence where they didn't run the ball enough, and when they did, they didn't run it well enough. They had a developing offensive line, which might be better this year and hopefully is, but they didn't have those kind of big-bodied, uh, possession-type receivers. And Odell Beckham ended up having to play in that fashion for a lot of last year, whereas now they've got two of them there. And if Eli Manning's arm is as shot as Matthew Sherry believes it is, those two could be really key to them still being in any way productive on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I'm, uh, is Beckham going to play? Isn't he injured? No, so Beckham, he's trained this week, but he only... So yesterday was Thursday, and yesterday he did full um, conditioning training, 
uh, but he didn't take snaps with the first, and they think he's going to take snaps today. So there's a chance he's going to play, but it might be limited in his role. I think it's unlikely that he goes out there and has an Odell Beckham-type game, basically. Well, I mean, what is an Odell Beckham game? Well, you know, what? tantrums and crap <laughs> tantrums, penalties, and then two hundred yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, except for when he goes into Lambo and fades like an idiot. Uh, Ollie, you remember it? Yeah, I do. Okay. Uh, I'm taking the New York Giants for this one. Dallas to lay a week one egg. I'm I'm taking Dallas, but I don't know. I don't really know why. I just got because <laughs> they're at home. I yeah, think- I mean. Uh, Ollie, yeah, I'm thinking about changing me picking, and I really can't. I mean, again, I can't put anything cohesive together at the moment, but I don't know why. It's oh, one of those. It's a bit like the Chiefs Patriots game, where everything sort of beforehand pointed towards the, the the Patriots, but then I just had this funny feeling that they'd go in there and do it, and everyone. Go with you, good Ollie. I'm going with my gut. I'm going Cowboys. You're a great man, Ollie. You're Thanks, a great mate. man. I'm good. I'm good, Giants. <laughs> it's good that's great from you that's great from you mate um let's round off with the monday night doubleheader and let's just say i love um, the monday night doubleheader to, to kick off no do you know what the monday night doubleheader in the last few seasons has been crap because they oh, put the because the, the late yeah game, how can you say that when the party well no but that's that's why that, that's why right? because the because the because the late game on the on the monday night has always been it has to be a west coast game because of the timing so it's always been 49ers it was 49ers Vikings and it was 49ers I can't remember what the other one was um, but then it's been the Rams of the years it's been this 49ers year, Rams last year this, well, there you go and then this year you've got Saints Vikings to kick us off and then Chargers Broncos which could end up being the game of the weekend uh, on Monday at 3am Tuesday at 3am it really is a bit so that's why but I'm Adrian loving it Peterson back in Minnesota yeah. week one I, I, I loved the Danell Ellaby, um, uh, the fellow who plays on the other side of the pass rush, talking about how they want to, they're desperate to hit Adrian Peterson because he was treated with such kid gloves in Vikings training for so long. They're really excited about going out there and tackling the guy. I think that they haven't tackled him enough to realise just how much that's going to hurt. I don't think desperate to hit Adrian Peterson and kids' gloves should be used together back to back. Personally, but no. coming from the guy, coming from the guy who's used the phrase "perfect storm" at least three times in this podcast. Uh... <laughs> All right, well, there's no need for that, is there? Ollie pointed out at the time, and I just bit my tongue. Uh, right, come on, Saints, You're Saints, such a grass. Saints, Vikings. He is a massive. <laughs> coming from the biggest stirrer in the world I've ever met in Ollie Hunter, that is really saying something. Mean? That is really saying something. Ollie calling me a grass is like Adrian Peterson telling you you're a great running back. It's it's that level of it's a hall of fame. <laughs> it's a hall of famer in the position telling you that you're decent at it. Um, other than the Adrian Peterson storyline, Saints Vikings, how are we feeling? Come well, on, the Vikings are going to be awesome. Do you think? And going to win? Yeah, I've picked the Saints on Gridiron Pick'em Challenge, Hyphen Magazine. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not the web. I, no, I still don't know what it is. Gridiron-magazine.com and then just click the pick and bit. Yeah, I, I'm going to change my pick. I'm going to pick the Vikings. I think yeah. that defense is just. I, I think, it's, I, think I, Dalvin Cook's going to have a great year. Talent-wise, that defense is a top three unit in the NFL. Yep, oh, but yeah. top to bottom. 
Uh, yeah, exactly. But I, the, my problem is on the offensive side of the ball. Yes, we need to see what we're going to get out of Dalvin Cook. We need to see Matt Khalil uh, is gone from the left tackle. Who are they now playing at left tackle? I can't even remember. It's that, that rotisserie that has been their offensive line might look a bit better this year. But uh, if, if it doesn't, if they, it's Riley Reef, isn't it, who they've brought in? If they don't protect... Yeah, yeah, Minnesota, yeah. If they don't protect uh, Sam Bradford... And then you've got this glut of receivers who... I like the look of Adam Thielen at the end of last year, but it was a small sample size. Stefan Diggs had a very similar kind of six-game stretch the season before, then did nothing last season. Carl Rudolph is the kind of guy that people talk about in lofty terms on a regular basis, but doesn't go out and perform consistently. Laquan Treadwell hasn't really done anything. Latavius Murray, I don't think, is a very good running back, and that's why he's immediately been had somebody drafted to play in front of him. I just... The offensive side of the ball needs somebody to step up and start making plays if they're going to be impressive this year. I like um, Stefan Diggs, though. He's a good player. I He's think he is really a good player, but he was bad last year. He had a bad year after looking really good in half the half season half before. The, uh, he, he, no, he was great in the first half of last yeah. season. He was arguably the best receiver in the NFL for the first five weeks, but ultimately he did fade down the stretch. Um but this Why is like, that is? Uh, consistent playmakers don't exist on that Vikings defense at the moment. Offense at the moment, offense. and that's what they need. Yeah. But I still think they beat the Saints. I think the Saints defense isn't good enough. At home, not no idea. In their big, in their big glass building, I think they win on Monday Night Football. I, I reckon a team of us and Peter and I and listeners <laughs> right. move the ball on the Saints. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't beat the Saints, but we'd move the ball on them. Great, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're not going that far. Drew Brees would probably outscore. Yeah, us, we're not. We're not. <laughs> We're not. We're not getting silly here. Is it? Yeah. Is it? <laughs> is anyone taking the Saints? I've changed my pick. Yeah. Uh, I'm taking the Vikings. Right, Chargers, Broncos, uh, AFC West is maybe the most. No, it, uh, do you know what? I want to limb the most intriguing division in the NFL. Um, I, I'm not so sure on what the Broncos are going to be this year because Vance Joseph has come in, who is. Uh, very much a zone defensive coach and has taken over the best man defense in the NFL in terms of personnel. Son's son of bum as well. Son's son of bum. Um, they've 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 son's bum. They've only got I one. Love that, they've only got one side of their uh, of their um, pass rush available to them at the start of the season. Trevor Simeon is just a big question mark to me at the moment, as is that offensive line. Going up against Melvin Ingram, going up against Joey Bosa, going up against a great Chargers secondary. I am taking the Los Angeles Chargers in mile high. So am I. So am I. Yeah! yeah what a great way to I love it all pot. friends. <laughs> oh, great. Do you think the Chargers, if they stay healthy, is, is there an argument for this team? I mean, I know you made it last week, but what's the argument for this team going at least most of the way, if not all the way. That they've got a quarterback who at his best verges on elite who is heading towards the end. An outstanding running back. If Keenan Allen's healthy a intriguing set of weapons and potentially a top three set of edge edge defenders, pairing of edge defenders in the NFL and that those ingredients alone. I'm gonna will say top two. I'm gonna say top two. Yeah. Yeah. Top two edge defenders. Who's, Who, number who's, who's number one merciless and cloudy? Probably, yeah. Probably. Wow. As a pairing. If Shane Ray comes back and is really good, then Von Miller and Shane no, Ray have I, an I, argument. I would, say, I would say Bosa and Ingram are... are Could be number uh, one. 
it's one and one here for me with those, unless some, we're forgetting one. I mean, maybe Michael Bennett and Averill. But the, the problem is, is yeah, the problem is, is people they're not pure edge rushers though because they have this because no. they like they can play inside as well. They can play five tech. They, they can do it all. Whereas you know these are pure edge rush guys, and and yeah, I mean, where else? Khalil Mack, but then opposite him, Bruce Irvin, meh. You know, it, it's I, I think it's right up there. Right up. I there. think there's somebody listening to this podcast who's better than Bruce Irvin. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's Jack Crawford. Um <laughs> Well done, Jack. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. <laughs> right. <laughs> actually the day got a little bit confused. Solomon Wilcox is actually in at Talksport on Monday, so we'll have him on the review show for the weekend alongside uh the stars of Madden eighteen. But we're going to have fantasy darlings coming up for you still. Before we get to that, uh, Matt Sherry, any any thoughts ahead of week one? Uh, have you recovered finally? Are you going to get some sleep? Or is little Brady going to keep you up? Might just, might just go watch it again. His name's... Uh, <laughs> his name's Kareem now. <laughs> little Kareem. <laughs> Kareem Sherry. That's, that sounds like an NFL player's name. Although certainly would be the only Kareem in Hartlepool. Kareem, <laughs> Kareem Sherry picked in the th- third round by the Denver Broncos to play safety in place of TJ Ward. That definitely sounds right. Uh, all right, Matt Sherry, thank you for joining us. We'll hear from you again next week. Go and check out at Gridiron on Twitter and at MSherryNFL. Go get involved in the Pickham's game as well. Solly Hunter, any final thoughts? No. Beautiful. I'll just do the ending now. This has been the Gridiron Show. Thank you for getting in touch. Then fancy darlings, and then the end of the show. See, I didn't forget. Well done, me. Thank you for listening. You can ask absolutely anyone and they will tell you that I am one of Sam Bradford's biggest fans. By anyone, of course, I don't mean anyone who actually knows me. But I'm a big enough man to acknowledge when even this leading Charlie of all checkdown Charlies has a matchup that fantasy owners need to exploit. The Vikings welcomed the Saints on Monday night, and the Saints have positively welcomed opposing quarterbacks over the last three years. In their last 48 games, the Saints have allowed 21 QBs to score at least 20 fantasy points in games, with 10 of those performances coming when the Saints have gone marching on the road. Bradford is available in just under 91% of NFL.com leagues. The suffering of Andrew Luck has led to others suffering significant pain this off-season, not least those of us who thought they were being clever, taking him in later rounds of drafts, thinking he'd be back in a week or two. I'm not naming names, of course. The biggest victim, other than myself, would be T.Y. Hilton. In games without Luck, Hilton has averaged 10 yards less than in games with him, and with the reassuring presence of Scott Tolzien, a quarterback, Wade Phillips and the Rams must be licking their lips. Hilton's average depth of target in 2016 was 13.5 yards, a depth at which Son of Bum's defences have allowed below-league average points per reception and catch rate in his last seven seasons as a defensive coordinator. Quite simply, you can make the case that the entire Colts organisation should be avoided this week, up to and including Kip Brownfield, Senior Director of Ticket Sales. Hi, Kip. I don't want to wish my life away, but I should probably tell you that one team I will more likely than not be advising you to attack in these snippets this season will be the New York Jets. Whether they're deliberately tanking or accidentally crap, I will let others decide. Regardless, Charles Clay has a glorious matchup here. Competing for targets with Zay Jones and Andre Holmes, Clay is the only passing option with something approaching a history with Tyrod Taylor. The Jets allowed the ninth most fantasy points to tight ends last season when they were actually trying, so God alone knows how badly they'll do this season when they don't give a toss. 
93.3% of NFL.com leagues have Clay on their waiver wire, so go forth and pick him up. This off-season, I spent many days, well, a few hours, writing about how primed Eric Ebron was for a breakout in 2017. With Anquan Bolden gone, the Detroit Lions had opened up a whole bunch of targets, especially in the red zone, and Ebron was, in my humble opinion, primed to take all of them. In a move I'm positive was purely out of spite towards me, Ebron probably got injured in late July and has barely practised since. It is not just bitterness that makes me want to ignore him this week, however. The Cardinals, the Lions' opponents, allowed the fewest fantasy points to tight ends in the entire NFL in 2016. With Ebron still far from 100%, any potential he has for 2017 will have to wait a week. Vindictive git. It has been something of an annual tradition since at least 2011 to announce that Frank Gore's replacement is ready to break out. Well, in 2017, this practice seems to have shifted its sights towards Jonathan Stewart. Yes, yes, Christian McCaffrey is a tantalising prospect. And yes, yes, we all saw that move he put on Luke Keekley in Paddle's practice. But Jonathan Stewart is not going away. With Cam Newton's full fitness still some weeks off, the Panthers may lean on Stewart and CMC this gr- on the ground this week, especially against a 49ers defence that was downright porous last season. While changes have been made, this is still largely the same personnel that allowed the most fantasy points to running backs in 2016. Stewart is on a roster in the majority of NFL.com leagues, but is only starting in less than a quarter of them. I think you should find a place for Jay Stew. Revenge, they say, is a dish best served cold much like fries at McDonald's. While this is the case more often than not, I don't think Adrian Peterson has allowed his vengeance quite enough time to marinate. Peterson and his Saints teammates, yeah, that still sounds weird, travel to Minnesota on Monday night, and not only does AP face a defence that allowed the ninth fewest fantasy points to running backs last season, and only nine rushing touchdowns, the fourth fewest, he's also part of a committee at running back, with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. They're both better pass catchers than Peterson, although that's hardly saying something, and should this become a boat race, which is always a likely outcome when the Saints are involved, Peterson could find himself in a situation where he has ample time to reacquaint himself with some Vikings fans in the stands as he patrols the sidelines. Maybe next time, AP.